Welcome to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. I am your host, Lisa Zimmerman. Let's get started with today's parenting story. Welcome back to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. Today we are speaking with Betsy Finnan. Betsy is a licensed clinical social worker and a perinatal mental health certified provider. She works with Meridian Psychiatric Partners at their Oak Brook Terrace location. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited too. So um, why don't you go ahead and repeat your name and then the ages and if you're comfortable, the names of your children. Sure. Um, So I'm Betsy Finnan and I have one daughter. Her name is Mara and she is four years old. Okay. Uh, And if you were to describe your parenting style, what would it be? Yeah. So I would say that I draw a lot from positive parenting methods and the whole brain child approach from Dr. Siegel. Um, What I always go back to is that children are complex beings, just like adults, and they deserve to feel worthy in their wants, needs, and interests, even if those do not make any sense developmentally to someone with our, you know, ability to logic and reason. Um, I'm also a huge advocate that creating and cultivating a secure attachment with Mara allows her to more successfully navigate her world and will also have a domino effect on navigating her world five, 10, 20 years from now, even. Um, I always strive to be Mara's vessel of reason, teaching her how to recognize her own feelings in her mind and her body, rely on her own strengths and intuition and honor, hone that, really hone that sense of self and worth as a person. Um, Big object relations fan over here. (laughs) So, And I bet as a therapist, you see a lot of people that did not have that secure attachment as infants, toddlers, children, or they had it and then it was disrupted or traumatized for some reason. So I'm sure that that makes a big difference to you. It really, really does. And I think the the thing that I'll say about that is like, it is so hard to come out fully out of childhood with a 100% secure attachment. And that's not necessarily the goal. Um, you know, we, we just need to be good enough and do good enough for our own children. Um, but yes, as a therapist, I definitely see folks who, um, have not been able to have a secure attachment or have had it very, very drastically interrupted in some way, shape or form. And then that, does that impact their like resiliency later on, like their ability to be like flexible when other issues come up? Sometimes. Um, Research shows that resiliency resiliency is built on a multitude of different factors. So trauma is not like the only predictor of whether one's going to be resilient or not resilient. Um, there's, There's many other things involved in that, but I would say that it definitely can impact uh, ability to be resilient and navigate other things in part, because, you know, if you don't have a secure attachment, you know, in theory, we're saying, you know, we don't have a robust support system, right? So if that's the case, then, you know, support is such a huge 
component of being a human being. You know, we're, we're meant to be social creatures, uh, and not having, um, a robust or even, you know, a small, but secure support system is definitely going to, uh, impact our, our own viewpoint of ourselves and how we see the world around us. Can you explain a little bit the whole brain child approach that you referenced earlier? Sure. Um, so the whole brain child approach is derived from Dr. Daniel Siegel. Um, it is founded on neuroscience. So it really looks at um, you using your whole brain and not just targeting, you know, that uh, prefrontal cortex area that we most often think of. Um, so the idea goes back to like development, right? So if we think about children, what do we know? They don't have a fully formed prefrontal cortex. It's actually not formed until age 25. So with that being said, the whole brain approach looks at integrating and helping to connect the more primitive parts of our brain down by the brain stem. And we look at doing a, it's called a bottom up approach. So we look at first targeting the brain stem, talking about, you know, um, you know, basic human, human needs, if you will, then we move into emotional regulation, then we move into meaning making and processing. That's the stuff that's held in the prefrontal cortex. A lot of times we skip over <laughs> the basic needs and we skip over emotional regulation. We just go right to wanting to make meaning out of, out of stuff. And, um, if we do that, usually we're going to hit a brick wall because we can't biologically, our brain cannot be able, you know, at a point to make meaning or be logical if we're in a fight or flight response. So I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, so if you don't have the flight fight or flight under control, then obviously you can't do reasoning. So the reasoning being in the yeah. prefrontal cortex, and you can't do that if you are still in fight or flight mode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I very much use the whole brain child approach. Um, he's got a whole book about it. It's literally called the whole brain child. 10 out of 10 recommend. I do uh, often recommend it to my clients with young children as well. Um, I I also utilize those practices, not just in my parenting of Mara, but also in my therapy work all across the board. I think having that, that bottom up approach is something that I'm really passionate about. I'll make sure to include that in the show notes so that people can see what you're referencing. Yeah, please. Yeah. That'd be great. Thank you. Without disclosing your age, which generation are you a part of? millennial for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tried and true, huh? And as a millennial, yeah. how would you describe how you were parented then? You know what? I I want to first acknowledge that I am very fortunate. Um my parents were absolutely amazing. Um and I would say kind of pushed the push the parameters of what was normal um, to, you know, without saying exactly how old I am, but without 
uh, you know, what, what's normal for the 80s and 90s, um, and even the, the early 2Ks. Um, they always really presented with a united front, um, even if that might not have been the case behind the scenes. Um, and I would say that they used a lot of authoritarian rules and boundaries. Um, my mom shared with me that she learned a lot through working as a room mom in my preschool classroom <laughs> and also from my grandmother, who was a first grade teacher. Um, and then I'll also say that my dad was also a teacher. So we were just like totally immersed in like the teacher culture. And uh, I feel like my parents always instilled a really strong work ethic and helped me and my siblings learn accountability and responsibility. Um, I'm very fortunate to say that I always felt safe with my parents. And I know that's not a common experience for, for most folks. Yeah. At one point I was working with, um, heroin addicted mothers in my career mm. for several years. And it's interesting because I will agree that I definitely grew up feeling safe. Um, yeah. and I did not realize to the extent that so many people, do not grow up that way and all the other things. And that's a whole nother podcast, but I do like that you pointed that out because that's one of those, it sounds so simple, but without mm -hmm. feeling safe in your home, it just absolutely changes the complete direct trajectory of your life. And some yes. people are able to make it through and really fight for that safety for their own children. And other people are not able to create that for their own children. And then that brings up their own stuff. And it's extremely difficult. It really is. It's, it's humbling to be able to work with people and I'll have them, um, you know, trust me with their stories. Uh, but it's humbling to know how many folks grew up without a sense of safety mm -hmm. in the home. For sure. Or even just a sense of being trusted. I yeah. feel like a lot of yeah. the stories is like, well, so-and-so picked, you know, mom's boyfriend over the child and, you know, those types of things. And Such it's a good point. You know, yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's heartbreaking to hear later on. And obviously you're only hearing one side of the story and you don't know everything that goes into it, but you can see the, the ending a little bit, right? Like not the end of the yeah. story, but you can see where the, the result of where those actions went and that person took and, you know, but also humbling, like you said, is that, you know, just how important that is with your own child then. Yes. And, you know, and it also becomes like a little bit worrisome <laughs> when yeah. you know, the more, you know, right. <laughs> so speaking Absolutely. of without this, can you just describe the work that you do for people who may not understand how you help new families? Sure. Um, yeah. So I help families from the point of preconception all the way through um, years postpartum um, and anywhere in between. Um, so specifically, my specialization uh, is in helping families who have had a traumatic experience within the fertility or reproductive sector. So I see a lot of parents who've lost children. Um, I see a lot of parents who um, have, you know, 
experienced a traumatic birthing experience uh, or, you know, had some sort of complications during pregnancy uh, or before becoming pregnant, something like that. Um, I do outpatient counseling. So, uh, you know, usually the the name of the game is to see people once a week. Um, I do occasionally do family work. Um, but I would say most of the work that I do is individual, um, with either the pregnant person or their partner, um, in just processing, you know, events that have transpired, uh, helping to regain a sense of identity. And, you know, a lot of times after either a trauma or a big life event, like parent, you know, becoming a parent and especially combined, right. If we've had trauma and a life event, such as becoming a parent, our values become all out of whack. Um, our values, our sense of identity, uh, those things all take a temporary hiatus. So a lot of the work that I do is focused on recalibrating that and finding what that means now um, after the fact. What is your favorite thing about the work you do? My favorite thing about the work that I do is that there's two things actually. So I, I mentioned it a little bit ago, but something that I never take for granted is that people trust me um, to share their stories. I, I am so grateful for that. Um, and the other thing that I think is my favorite is just knowing that I'm able to provide something to people that I needed in my, in my journey that wasn't necessarily available to me at the time or that I didn't know existed at the time. Yeah. It goes along with the saying, when you know better, you do better, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge with the work that you do then? Um, you know, I, it is never easy, no matter if you're a birth worker or trained in trauma, it is never easy to talk with people about children that have died. Mm. It just isn't. Um, mm. I can and I do, <laughs> but it, it's, you know, it's heavy. It's heavy work. Yeah, that is for sure. I also work with the Mother's Milk Bank of the Western Great Lakes, and they have an yeah. amazing bereavement program yeah. um, for women that want to donate. And it it is extremely hard. Like, I just do charts for them. And just seeing the uptick once in a while of mm -hmm. bereavement charts gets me, you know, just sitting in the middle of my living room, just doing charts, yeah. you know, like it's, it's, I feel like I'm absolutely so separated from it, but I'm still impacted by it when there's quite a few. And I say, oh, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm so glad that they know about this, but you know, that poor woman, you know, family partners, yeah. everybody yeah. who had to suffer. Did you always want to be a parent? <laughs> I did. I, I really did. Um, but what I'm going to say about that is that in my mid twenties, I did have a period where I really questioned myself and I kind of backtracked on that. Um, it was like, you know, I, I had gotten married. I had graduated from college. Like 
I was at this point that I had always dreamed of, of like, oh, I'm going to be a parent when I graduate college, when I get married, et cetera, et cetera. And then when it happened and I was had all of those circumstances, I was like, you know, do I really, do I really want to do this? Um, like life's pretty good. And, Why rock the boat right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I did ultimately, you know, come back around obviously because here we are, but, um, yeah, it, there were, there were like three or four years there where I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about this. Uh, well, and luckily you found your partner early enough that you had the time to take, you know, as opposed yes. to like when you're older and then you're like kind of, you know, yes. in a rush a little bit more. Totally. What age of your child do you think you really start parenting your child? I think it starts around 12 months um, and really kind of solidifies around 18 months and then you're really you hit the hit the ground running and then you're in it for good yeah <laughs> uh what is your most embarrassing parenting moment Oof. I yeah there's definitely a few I I think that something that was super embarrassing um happened last yeah uh like last christmas so um not recently but not too far in the in the past um it was christmas and we were potty training and as you know with potty training poop and pee are you know common household topics um all the time, all the time. And we had a tough time potty training. So, uh, ours was like very, it was a very drawn out experience. And, um, we were with my entire family on Christmas day and I went to the bathroom and, you know, Mara came with me cause she wanted to watch. Um, and then we exited the bathroom and Mara announced uh, to my entire family what had happened in the bathroom. And <laughs> um, she started clapping and cheering and was, you know, expecting that my family was going to do that for me as well, because, you know, that's what we were doing for her. Um, so we had a, a big celebration on Christmas Day that I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I love that. We used to call it big potty or little potty. So I could just see my son walking out and being like, there was a big potty. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. What do you see as the biggest trend in parenting right now? I would say definitely gentle parenting for sure. Okay. And um, do you, do you have friends that prescribe to that? also and have you found that like the friends that you have as a parent those relationships have continued or have they changed in any way hmm, that's a good question um i um, i don't know that i've ever had a, a real conversation with any of my friends about like their 
what they would consider like their method of parenting. Um, I do have a couple close friends who um, are very well immersed in the Montessori um, sort of network. Uh, and I, I, my very basic understanding of gentle parenting is that it kind of comes from Montessori. Um, so maybe, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, in terms of, you know, like very specific, like, you know, my friend blank is, does this type of parenting? No, we haven't had those conversations. Um, there was a second part of your question. What was, what was the second part? Um, has that, have parenting styles affected your friendships Mm. at all? Okay. Thank you. Um, I, I would say no. Um, thankfully, uh, but you know, life is young. We're only at age four. So I could definitely see that being a factor, especially once Mara is like school aged and she's, you know, making her own friends and things like that. I, I definitely, think that that's something that's very feasible to run into for sure. Yeah. It's interesting because the older, my son's 11. So the older your kids get, they definitely make other friends, but the friends that they've always had as their lifelong friends. It, it seems like those friendships, like there's room for everybody kind of. Um, I like that. Yeah. And then more than not, you're meeting other parents of your children's friends. And then it's, deciding how much you all have in common and those types of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, but, it, but it depends on the child too, because, you know, they're all different for how quickly they make friends, how they regard friends, how quickly they give up friendships or, mm, you know, mm-hmm. friendship groups or if anything happens. Um, So it's, it, it's interesting. Like it starts off, I feel like we're like, you're more in charge of those friendships yeah. But then as time goes by, then your child, you know, as they should, becomes more in charge of those friendships. And sure. then really, like, once they get even older, then they're just hanging out with the friends on their own. And then yeah. you're just like, okay, well, let's hang out anyway. Or, well, okay, I guess we don't have to worry about that. And we'll do something yeah. different. What has your child taught you the most about being a parent? Oh, she's taught me so much. Um <laughs> She has taught me that my patience has limits. (laughs) She has taught me that um, I have a lot more sensory sensitivity than I initially thought. Um, She taught me that I am more fun and carefree than I initially thought. And she's also taught me that my ability to love is deeper than I ever thought was possible. Yeah. I feel like that is so true. I remember being like, Oh, I love him. And they're like, of course. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know that this was possible. Yeah. I, I've never been like a super sentimental, like happy crier type person. Um, until I became a mother. Now I cry all the time. I cry about I get tearful thinking about how much I love her. I get tearful thinking about all of her milestones. I have cried reading her books that have resonated with me. It's wild, wild. (laughs) And you're not losing your mind. You're just more sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. For our final question, what is your biggest parenting advice that you would like to share with new parents? I would like to share that there is no book (laughs) or amount of learning that will prepare you for all of it. Um, Parenthood is a flood of self-discovery and really shows you how well you are able to regulate your own emotions. That is a common thread that I've definitely heard come up, especially from other therapists too, is the idea of the self-regulation and modeling and just how much you realize the way you parent is just a reflection on your own self. Yeah, it's... It's good and bad. <laughs> yeah. I know. And it's so funny because I always have people that are like, I don't understand why nobody told me X and Y thing. And it was like, but how would you explain that? Can't. How would you tell yeah. your best friend who's pregnant right now how that's going to feel? Because first of all, you have to explain the love. And how do you even explain that? You can't. It's something that you just have to like implicitly feel. Um, it's not something that can be explained, I don't think. And I tell my clients that I'm like, yeah, you know, people wanted to tell you those things and it wasn't the right time. You didn't have all the information necessary to understand those, those words or that statement at that time. Right. Right. I know. And nobody's figured out that, you know, magical equation of how to explain this at the same time, because you know, I mean, maybe like you were referencing before, maybe parents who've had a loss before could begin to feel that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But even so that's really tricky because that was a finite amount of time. Whenever that happened, there wasn't Mm -hmm. the growth of self, the growth of your child, you know, unfortunately, and all the growth of your partner. Yeah. Seeing how you have to co-parent with each other, watching them become a parent. There's just so much that goes into that. It really is. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 17 of Chicagoland Parenting Stories, which I forgot to say earlier, we're recording on August 1st of 2023. And thank you to our guest, Betsy Finnan of Meridian Psychiatric Partners. Uh, She's in their Oak Brook Terrace location. Thank you, Betsy. Thanks so much, Lisa.